for no reason and it's important when we have these uh, gatherings that we understand that you have something you want us to hear. So give us listening ears, Father, and attentive hearts, attentive minds that we might receive and grasp what you're giving us today. As manna from heaven, Lord, the, the uh, six-day manna that was good overnight too, that it'll last beyond where we are right now. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So we're going to talk today about the riches of his grace. The riches of his grace. God is not so much concerned with earthly riches, but he is a God who thinks in terms of eternity, in terms of what everlasting Uh, what goes on forever and uh, certainly the things of this earth are perishable things he puts the spiritual things kind of in the forefront just so we can understand how this kingdom works you know we understand our priorities how to get first things first Uh, when he came to us uh, and, and started responding to our cries for help he came offering deliverance from sin that's a spiritual work that's the first thing God offers us is deliverance from sins and from the power of sin for instance if you came to God because you had sickness and he healed you that sickness was a result of sin that came into the earth and had an effect on your body that you couldn't get rid of and so you needed the supernatural of God and so God always puts the supernatural kind of in the forefront he lets you know that you will never uh, grow out of your need for his uh, supernatural touch in your life the, the invisible hand of God moving on your behalf all of that And he wants us to stay focused more on the invisible realm than we do on the visible because we can change what's visible if it's not correct and it's not God's plan. And we can bring in the invisible or the supernatural, sometimes the things that are hidden from sight that are only known by your spirit. And so he wants us to always keep in mind that the supernatural is so much greater than what we see here in the natural and that we have dominion and power over the things that the God of this world does in the earth. For instance, if if the enemy decides he wants to threaten your finances which he does all the time you know I mean it's so easy to get your money messed up because everybody's pulling at it everybody wants a piece of it you're trying to make sure it's used wisely Uh, you want to make sure it's uh, you prove faithful to God so he can tell you to bless you all of those things uh, we want to do that and so it's easy for the natural to be manipulated uh, and we kind of lose sight of what's really important you know if God, if the enemy can keep you scrambling uh, to pay bills to watch in the bottom line all the time all that kind of stuff then he can catch you off guard and and manipulate you to get the natural ahead of the supernatural then your faith doesn't work if you you take over the job that God has ordained for himself and start scrambling for how to take care of yourself all the time and all of that without coming back to the word and praying 
and expecting God to move and putting God in the forefront of things. You know, just put him in charge. And, and begin to follow him as best you can, you know. And, and he'll see to it that everything that you desire comes into your hands. But we have to really uh, fight for that. We have to, our job is to keep the priority right. Keep things in the proper perspective so that we don't fall into the trap that the enemy has set for us to be concerned about natural things. It's a distraction. And so he'll start to upset our little apple cart in the natural, see if he can pull us off. And then we get, you know, supposedly the cart in front of the horse. I mean, the horse and whatever, whatever, you know, get things backwards. And then we start pulling against what God wants us to do. And God wants us to stay faithful because he's a God of increase. He wants to increase us all the time. He wants to do more for us. Uh, he wants to let us understand how to live by his grace, which is supernatural. And, and understand that there is a grace in God to do everything that you are called to do in life. I mean, let him guide you. Let him put that red carpet out before you. Let him put that path of ease out there in front of you. Give him an opportunity to lay out uh, and map out your steps before we go plunging into our solution for ourselves, you know, and, and then kind of start messing stuff up or get behind or the enemy starts to get in there and really uh, gum up the works, you know. And so we, we really do have to get panic out of our minds, get upset out of our minds, get uh, it's not I don't have time to wait for God to do stuff, you know, that kind of thing. And so the enemy will always pressure us on this time thing and then we step out of that realm of God's grace, which is where the riches really are. I mean, he is rich in grace. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about the riches of his grace because I think that's where our answers are. You know, uh, if we think about it, uh, God gave us a word to tell us that if we would call him good, then goodness would show up. Well, see, and God's been faithful with that with me. Uh, you know, some days I forget, and then somebody somebody will send me a text message and, and share a praise report and then put on there, God is good. And that reminds me. And so we keep building up each other with the prophecy that God's given us. But I believe that we have a lot of power to call him good in all kinds of situations and see these situations change for the better. So it's really, really a blessing to know that God is rich in grace. He's not stingy with it. He's rich in grace and he wants to shed that on us. So in Ephesians 1.7, I found this uh, the uh, this translation. I think it's good word or God's word, one of the two. But Ephesians 1.7, and we know this prayer. You know, this is a, a, um, a, uh, a what you call it, a apostolic prayer. And, you know, I remember when I was a new Christian, there was copies of it everywhere. And Ephesians uh, starting in verse 15 or 17 it would start there and pick up but this whole Ephesians 1 the book of Ephesians talks about the grace of God uh, his abundant grace he also talks about authority and how to use it talks about warfare a little bit in the book of Ephesians 
and it talks about uh, spiritual conformity how to submit to one another how to how to rule that way you know through following lines of authority and so it's a book that's rich in understanding uh, the power of God and his grace and it says through the blood of his son verse 7 we are set free from our sins set totally free from them no penalty no temptation totally free from our sins God forgives our failures because of his overflowing kindness or the riches of his grace so there's such richness in God that he doesn't hold grudges against us there's such richness in God that he doesn't he is so abundant I mean you can just see mercy overflowing out of God toward us and it goes on he's rich in this it's not it's no lack there it's no uh maybe i'll think about this one you know and punish you anyway because it's so bad there's none of that negative there's such a flow of abundance of grace from the throne of god that he he forgives all of our faults and failures he poured out his kindness by giving us every kind of wisdom and insight so he shares himself with us yeah i remember when i was a new christian i would see people that knew god maybe longer than i did or you know they had a little history in god and i thought oh boy if i ever get to that level boy oh boy they seem like you know super people super saints and then i started reading where god has already given us his spirit he's already given us and i said okay so you don't have to be around a long time to be able to tap into this you tap in at any time and i began to use my faith to tap into what god had already placed inside of me and draw from that and expect god to increase it you know and and so i learned these things and it says he gives us every kind of wisdom and insight when he revealed the mystery of his plan to us he had decided to do this through christ he planned to bring all of history to its goal in christ then christ would be the head of everything in heaven and on earth god also decided ahead of time to choose us through christ according to his plan which he makes everything work out the way he intends now if that don't make you comfortable get the stress off of you nothing will says he planned all of this so that we who already have all had already focused our hope on christ would praise him and give him glory so if if you don't if things aren't going well in your life you can still praise god and give him glory because he's got a good plan out there for you you just you can just find it and get involved in it and and follow through says you heard and believe the message of truth the good news that he has saved you in him you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise so you have a a guarantee every time the holy spirit every time you think about the fact that the holy spirit lives in you that is your guarantee that god's grace is is on your life it's your guarantee everything will work out it's your guarantee that everything that god does 
he does for your good it's your guarantee that you're not shortchanged it's your guarantee that you're not wounded you're not abused you're not broken you're not you know all this stuff that we get from the world it's your guarantee that that stuff doesn't apply to you anymore he says he planned all of this so that we who had already focused our hope on Christ would praise him and give him glory you heard and believed the message of truth the good news that he has saved you in whom you were sealed with the Holy Spirit whom he promised this Holy Spirit is the guarantee that we will receive our inheritance so you have a constant reminder that you will get what God has ordained for you the devil cannot steal it you will receive everything that God has that's the 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 greatness of his grace the riches of his grace is in the Holy Spirit and our relationship with him and if you can understand the free flow of the grace of God into your life continually no stopping the only thing that stops it is us when we get stuck you know we the wheels start getting stuck in the mud and we just let it grind down to where we just stop and can't go any further well the riches of his grace digs deeper into the heart of God to extract what you need see many times we've just been dealing on a superficial such a superficial level with God I think sometimes the years my early years with God were spent wondering if he was going to take care of me I was used to having a job and working you know those of you who can keep a job that's a blessing right there he told me not to you understand what I'm saying and so I had to obey God or struggle against him I decided to obey God but in those early days it was like well I'm used to having what I have and and doing what I can do and being a person that had a a career or you know I had invested heavily in my education I felt that was where my future was and I needed to get to getting with that again and then God never opened the door for me to work again it just there was this I mean even when sometimes I would think about it there would be such little interest there well what were you interested I was interested in the word I was interested in finding out more about God to be honest with you I mean I was going to do it because I was accustomed to doing it and that was that was what I considered to be well getting well meant going back to work to me and so when I got well and I saw God wouldn't open that door and I began to seek the Lord where about that time I got involved in a, a women's glow Bible study and we would have monthly meetings as well and we would have speakers to come in and share their testimony and then God started to speak to me through the the speakers I'm so thankful for people that had God had the the uh, power to draw people together who wanted to depend on him and not traditions and not nonsense and playing church and jumping up and running around and you know all that kind of craziness and not really sitting and and meditating on the word or teaching the word and having people study the word that kind of thing Uh, and I was so thankful for that because the first year I was in that ministry I received about three different prophecies that put me on the right path in God 
And I knew for certainty that God was speaking to me. That he was telling me why I didn't go back to work. And why I needed to continue with him. And just to trust him in these things. And and uh, you know I, it was just amazing to me. The grace of God. And the depth of the grace of God. To take care even of even the, the most minute questions that I had. You know the, the thing, little things that I would think off and on that bugged me. God would answer those things. And he would answer them and I would find a new way of thinking. It wasn't I had to depend on myself uh, for, the, for the things I needed any longer. It was that I had a father and I could trust him and I could pray. There would be times that I would forget about because it was so new to me I would forget prayer and uh, and then I would get down a dark alley and couldn't figure things out I said oh yeah I can pray I can ask God and it, you know seriously that's, that's just how uh, God trained me to stay close to him and understand that he was there to help me every step of the way so I hear people say things like, well, oh, that's something small. You don't need to bother God with that. They don't know my God. They don't know him, see. I mean, everything, he, he is concerned about everything that concerns us, folks. That's the riches of his grace. He doesn't want you fretting for anything, even though the world may think it's small and you may think it's small. If it bugs you, it's big to him. And he wants you to he wants to reassure you of his his desire to help you in these things, uh, to give you understanding, to give you deliverance, to empower you. You know, you you pass other people every day that need a word from God. And see, you're that that messenger and that carrier. You're the one who carries the word of God. Well, if you're worried about yourself all the time, how's he ever going to get you to pay attention to somebody else? So his grace is rich enough to take care of you personally and the Holy Spirit is there all the time to reassure you of your inheritance. You know if I could burn anything in my brain today it would be that. That I have an inheritance. I don't have debts coming up. I don't have lack coming up. I have an inheritance. And my guarantee is. You got me? He's there in me. And there's evidence every single day. That I want to produce it. That the Holy Spirit of promise is there. To help me to do everything that I need to do. And so when we understand that God's grace has a depth to it that goes deeper than your deepest trouble that you could ever get into. Deeper. He's more committed to us the harder it is for us. The more trouble you're in the more committed God is to you. You know how people will abandon you when you (laughs) don't tell them you have a need. Uh, you won't see too many people no more I mean for it's a deal breaker for some people for you to have trouble in your life it's just true and see the trouble that Christians are getting in now is outrageously phenomenal like it will wreck your whole future it'll tear down everything that you've worked hard to build up the devil is out to destroy 
And when I say destroy, I mean really destroy. He'll destroy you with false witnesses, false accusations. He'll destroy you with with lawsuits and bankruptcies that come against you. All of these things are intended to destroy you. And if you don't understand the riches of God's grace, that you can expect not only deliverance, but restitution replacement of all things lost that nothing will be able to shake what God has built in your life you can have records erased uh, uh, decrees against you court decrees declared null and void thrown out of court for lack of evidence whatever it is you can receive all of those things that you need from God simply because there is a depth and a richness to his grace there's untapped riches in the grace of God untapped some of the things we've never say for instance you've never had a need for certain things does that mean you can't get them we're accustomed to getting just a little something for the God from the give me a little this give me a little bit of that you know? but have you ever thought about the wealth that is in God and I'm not talking about just material but I'm talking about things that you need to complete your life your peace of mind everything that you desire it's in God and he's he's more than willing to give it to us he's not stingy he's rich in it which means he overflows it there's an overflowing God that lets you know that there's no lack there and there's no limit of what you can expect him to do good in your life there's no limit whatsoever so when we talk about the riches of his grace we're talking about unlimited matchless favor and power coming make being made available to you coming into your life See, pretty soon we'll quit marveling at things like Daniel spending all, all night in a lion's den. And it'll be an expected thing in us. You got me? We expect God to come in on that magnitude. We'll expect him to have angels sitting up with us all night keeping the death angel away from us. Or with your children, your grandchildren, your loved ones, whoever it is. You'll expect God will have supernatural uh, caretakers for them in their hour of need. You'll expect it. Why? Because the depth of the riches of his grace has not been tapped into yet. See, we haven't tapped into a lot of this. Why? Our expectations are so shallow. Now we can get in big trouble and forget we have God to help us and go look for man to bail us out or for man to help us. But I'm telling you God has a depth to his riches that we have not yet tapped into because we don't expect God to come on that level all of the time. So we in 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 the first level of his grace is forgiveness of sins. That's where he meets us. Amen because he has to make us holy in order for us to have success righteousness is your success don't ever forget that don't ever forget that you can be honest before God and put on his righteousness and walk in power over everything that opposes you amen because that's where his grace meets us and meets us most effectively is in forgiveness of sins 
many times we'll let the devil stop bombarding us. You can't have that. Look at what you did. Yeah, devil, but look at what Jesus did on Calvary. And I plead the blood. See, I have a protection you don't have, devil. Got me? That's why he accuses us because he's in the doghouse. Amen? And so he wants to pull us in there with him like that's the place we're supposed to be. But oh no, 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 the blood stops everything that you're accusing me of. Because my God is rich in forgiveness. The great mercy of God is so rich toward me, I can be forgiven over and over and over and over again. It's wonderful. So forgiveness is something we all need because we are subject to break the law. You know, we'll break the law just in our thought life sometimes. You know, we'll get to getting giddy and silly about something and step over the line. It's easy to do. We all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We know that. And we all will continue to fall short of his glory when we can't resist temptation or the devil sets a snare for you. You know, there's some things that we fall into not intentional. You understand what I'm saying? And and if you think that's not true, you just keep living. (laughs) So many things that I've done or said, you know, just like that, you know, wasn't count to ten and wait, hold your tongue and wait, all that kind of stuff. Didn't forgive somebody immediately the way I should. It kept, it, I had to pay up on it. You got me? So listen, don't put yourself above that kind of activity. You know, just be thankful for his forgiveness. See, I don't look at not trying not to do bad things. I'm not under the law. But I trust the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me in the way I should go. If I miss a step, I repent and come back before God and get back in. That takes dedication to practice what you say you believe. You got me? You got to be dedicated to this. You can't do it thinking you're doing somebody a favor by forgiving them. That's baby stuff. We got to grow up. And get over here where God wants us to be understanding that sin is your enemy. The flesh is your enemy. This world is your enemy. You are in enemy territory. If you can get up every day and walk a straight line, that's the power of God. That has nothing you take credit for. You just somehow made all the right steps and didn't do the misstep that the devil had planned for you. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, hey, it's in all of us to want to do good. Paul said that. He said, the thing I want to do, I don't do it. The thing I don't want to do, I wind up doing. Huh? It's a perplexing thing. But thanks be unto God and the riches of his matchless grace, amen, that he sheds toward us. So think of how we feel when we observe sinful behavior in other people. We are angry or we form a negative opinion about that person. And some of us are are what I call jailers. We like to keep people imprisoned in our mindset about how wrong they are. Uh huh. You know we get a little trophy. We get somebody stepping and we get to see something they do wrong. And we start putting them in that, you know, put that red jumpsuit on them and put them bars in front of them and all that. And never want to let them out. Huh? <laughs> God's knocking you on your head telling you, you better quit judging people. Uh-huh. 
you better stop that because that's not how we roll and so when we start doing that and see sometimes we like other people being wrong because we don't know how to forgive ourselves you know i mean seriously you need to take enough time in the word to perfect self-forgiveness know what i mean just don't sit up and let the devil and you you play in his hands beat you up about what you did when you was five years old, four years old, three years old, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and walk around feeling bad like that's helping God's cause or something, you know. Uh, that's not helping anything. What would help is for you to repent and just say, God, you know, here I am sitting up beating up on myself again. I'm sorry. I need to take your way out. I need to take the way of grace and forgiveness that is afforded to me. And so when we start jailing other people because of their sin, trust me, there's a cell that you are building for yourself because of yours. Because the word cuts two ways. You know, all of our thoughts work both ways. We want to point the finger at somebody else because we caught them doing something. Huh? When the Bible says examine yourself, then tell you to examine your brother and sister in the Lord, but examine yourself. So there you are, being judgmental. Got that big beam in your eyeballs. Huh? They got a little speck. And that's the way it always is. The beam looks at the speck and thinks it's real big. Huh? Oh, yes. You know, you, you're so accustomed to blowing things up way out of proportion. And then when you see it on somebody else, it's, oh, the earth is going to come to an end because of what they did. You know, uh, sometimes you'll watch these things. You know, I, I watched uh, this uh, um, senator from New Jersey, Menendez, just had a trial and he was acquitted. And I found myself getting into that, oh, he's definitely guilty mindset. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I didn't ask God if he was guilty or not. It's just my opinion about things. And then had to get upset, try to get upset when they declared a mistrial. And then I thought to myself, I said, well, if, if you were falsely accused or if you were accused of something, there needs to be sufficient evidence that you're guilty before you accept guilt. You understand? If there was none or not enough to convince people, then what do you do? You let people off. But as it stands, this man's reputation is pretty much shot. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, the, the devil can do damage. Even though you can be acquitted, he can still do damage to you if you pay attention to accusation. And that's what he's banking on with us. That if we listen to his accusation, it's just as damaging. That's why he does it. See, you can know your sins are forgiven, but if you sit up listen to the devil talk to you about you and everybody else and everybody's faults and all, the damage is done. Because he's stolen your soul, he's stolen your mind, he's stolen your attention, he's stolen your confidence in God. He's wasted your whole day sitting listening to something negative that you had no minutes listening to. And so when we understand how cunning and how deceitful he is, 
will understand that we have no other recourse but to cast these things down when they get started and accept God's forgiveness and accept it for everybody. We're all entitled to be forgiven, not just you. Oh, you don't know what they did, though. I know what they did, and I know it's sin, and I know they're forgiven. I know what Jesus did, and that's the only thing I need to know. Whatever they did is not bigger than what God did. Whatever it is, it's not bigger than what God did on our behalf to get us into His the riches of his grace. So sometimes it becomes difficult for us once we've imprisoned somebody with negative behavior and a negative opinion and a negative attitude. It's very difficult for us to change that opinion. And why is that? Because people don't like to say they're wrong. We don't like to repent. We want to keep that attitude about a person and keep that sometimes a first impression of people well if what kind of church would we be if we held on to first impressions about people you know uh, you know where ours may not be good about one another but we thank god we can say we've grown we've matured we've learned how to forgive we learn how to uh, establish in god and see we're not here to do that kind of function with each other anyway we're here to save the world so if we were out saving the world, we wouldn't have the opportunity. So this is the way the church is. We get so small in our thinking that we don't see a world out there that needs the God that we say we serve. And so we start to nitpick at each other, you know, devour one another. And see, that should never be. That should never be in the church of God. If we can't build up and edify one another, then just, you know, remain silent. But, but that our job is to build one another up, not look for flaws and faults. If we do that, we'd be here all day looking at stuff. So we, we need to let that go and do what we're supposed to do. And see, there's enough grace in God. The riches of his grace are so deep that there's enough grace in God for us to live in harmony with one another. There's enough grace in God for us to continually build each other up, not tear each other down, not fault find, not nitpick, none of that stuff. But we can build each other up in the spirit in spiritual things amen we, we don't have to be a, a patronizing church and we don't have to be a patch on the back and you know rah-rah every time you do something you know make each other dependent on on other men's opinions but help each other to grow up in christ amen so it becomes really difficult to change our negative opinions sometimes And we continue to observe people to see if they change to conform to what we think is godly behavior. That's religion. Because we don't set the standards for each other. God sets the standards. Amen. And so looking for change is best that that now God will honor any change you want to do for you. He'll honor that. But he will not honor you imposing your beliefs, your views, your values on your brother. Because that's not our job to do. So we are called to forgive bountifully and richly the way God has designed for us to forgive just like he does. So we're to match or attempt to match him in our ability to forgive. In Matthew 18:21 and 22, 
Peter asked Jesus a very interesting question. And this is something, if you think about the riches of the grace of God, and then you think about this question, you, 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 you'll be a little ashamed for Peter. because But they were still under the law. He didn't have the Holy Spirit given to him. Now, if you have the Holy Spirit given to you, that's your assurance of everything that you need from God. He's, he's there 24-7 to remind you and reassure you that you have an inheritance in God. You have riches in God. You have greatness in God. And so Peter asked him, he said, um, verse 18, um, wait a minute, Matthew 18, verse 21. Uh, Peter said, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? So you see, in a human heart, we have a limit on how much like God we're going to be. See, there's a richness of his grace, which was, is available for us to receive. But if you're going to receive it, there's a stipulation. And that is that you must be willing to give it. Jesus said, if you don't forgive, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. So in order for us to get the depth of the riches of his grace, we must be willing to give it out. And we must give it out when it's demanded by God that we give it. Amen. And that is to everybody. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Some translations say 77, some 70 times 7. And the, the implication here was that that would be given in one day. So what Jesus is getting Peter understands, don't keep count. Isn't that what we do? We keep count. Why do I have to be the one who's always, we call it the bigger person. Anybody who says that is very small indeed. Because if you're going to be a generous person in forgiveness, you will be generously forgiven. You ever notice when, now I do this, I do it mentally. uh, And I've seen other people do it. When they get in trouble, really need something from God. They start saying, well God, is there anything? I'm going to forgive so and so. You know, you start checking on the inside of you. See who you holding in jail in there if you don't you should because that's scriptural it's not an odd thing to do I remember a woman having cancer Uh, we had her testimony on tape for a while she had come down with uh, I think it was some kind of liver liver tumor she was a pastor's wife a young woman this was a lot of years ago maybe 15 20 years ago and uh, God healed her and she gave her testimony but she said that when she was first diagnosed she felt like well how did I get this you know I'm uh, and this will go through your mind you got to answer these questions because and don't assume that the, these ideas won't come to you because this kind of soul searching is common in times of trouble because we want to make things right with God so we can get us out of trouble. You want assurance that God's with you. 
And we, everybody knows that instinctively this sin separates us from God even after you're saved. You don't assume, go to God assuming anything that it's you're doing everything right and there's nothing you know, between you and God. You, you check that. And she said, and I thought to myself, I said, God, have I been faithful? Have I done this? Have I done that? And, and she said at the end of it, she realized that she had been faithful. To what God had given to her, you know, is have I been a, a strong giver? Have I ministered to the saints? Have I done the things that, you know, have I I've been in service the way I should be and attentive to Your Word and, and studying Your Word and all that? And she came up with a clean checklist, which I think is very important. And things that were lacking, she asked forgiveness for. And I think that personal inventory—that's called examining yourself. To make sure, because the reason you do it is not so that you can condemn yourself because you didn't do everything right, but so that you can get the slate wiped clean. So that there's nothing between you and the riches of his grace. That There's so much grace in God to help us. Why would you let arguing about whether you did anything wrong be the issue to keep you out of that level of grace there's a healing there for you if you got a tumor there's restoration for you if you you've had a traumatic experiences to your soul there's all the riches of the grace of god the depth of the riches there for you but you got to be able to tap into them and i tell you condemnation is one thing that will keep you from freely receiving the grace of god you got to know that when you confess you're forgiven. The main way you know that is you got to be willing to forgive other people. So I remember that testimony that the elderly lady uh, that gave her testimony at one of Robert's conferences many years ago. Uh, and I think I've shared this before where she was she was angry at the church. How many people do you know like that? You know, I see them all the time. Well, I don't go to church because they don't do this. Everybody's got some complaint against people. Got me? Um, and and it, it's a trick, a common trick of the enemy. But boy, does it work well. And she had gotten angry because they wouldn't, she felt called to the ministry and they wouldn't let her preach. And she got sick with cancer. She's on her deathbed. In fact, she had died because she, the Lord took her. She stood before God, and she, He gave put a, uh, her life under a sifter. Now she worked in the church all her life. She did odd jobs in the church. She did, uh, you know, whatever they would let her do. But her heart was bitter. You know, that's bad. You know, you got to put yourself into these things if, if God's going to bless you. You know, your whole heart has to be in serving him, all of that. But anyway, she asked the Lord when she saw that there was one thing she did in her life that God gave her credit for. She adopted an orphan kid. I think maybe, you know, uh, like you do, you send money every month for children and orphanage and that kind of adoption i don't know that she really raised this kid but that was the only thing that didn't fall through that sifter because her heart was bitter and everything else she did that she thought she was doing for him and when god told her he'd give her another chance boy did she straighten up but she said he sent her to a woman uh uh, she said there was a farm somewhere in Michigan because I think this she lived in that area. That's why she was at that meeting. And uh, she said that that woman 
prayed for her. She said, she said, this woman, when we would fast, she put us all on a fast. She said, and even her animals would fast. She said, she didn't feed. She said, you would hear those cows out there moaning for food. And uh, she said, she didn't feed anybody. And she said, I had not eaten in many months, almost a year. And she said that this woman would come in and tell her, God told me what to feed you today. And she would partake of it and it stayed down. So God was beginning to cleanse her inside. And then finally, she said, the sister came in and told her, she said, now there's something you need to do. She said, and God has already told you what it is. She said, and you take care of that. She said, and, and then God will continue to raise you up. And she said, God told her she had to forgive all those people in the church that she was bitter against. And she said, I tried to do like a blanket prayer. She said, God said, uh-uh, one by one. You, for, you hate them one by one, you forgive them one by one. And she said, as it came to her mind and she would forgive people and release them, let her go, life began to come back into her. She and she at that point she had been serving God renewed in a renewed condition for about 10 years she said she'd been to like 60 countries around the world see God had her ministry all along she was looking for man to give it to her God had it all along she had to do was turn to God for these things but see we don't know ignorance will kill us if we let it you know continue to rule our lives and so she was able to forgive 70 times 7. Amen. So in, in just to see her and to hear her share her testimony, there's such a genuineness there. There's such a clarity and a peace in her voice and in her countenance and in the way she projects things. She's not holding nothing against anybody. And so it was really, really good to see that powerful testimony of the connection between forgiveness and healing because it's definitely connected forgiveness in everything that you want for God is so much connected and that's why because of the riches of his grace to forgive us he demands that we unconditionally forgive everybody I mean it's just the way it is no matter what they did to you we think by not forgiving we're getting even with them but we really are hurting ourselves so we want to forgive sparingly like peter wanted to count how many times how much how how long do i have to do this god like forever <laughs> so we are limited in our desire to forgive because our grace is limited we don't have quite the riches that god has resident in us so we have to seek for it we have to believe for it we got to dig for it we've got to give it out it's not residing in our souls the way we think it's supposed to be in order for us to forgive so then we have to go into our faith reserve and do things by faith faith is not uh, contingent upon what you think or what you feel but it's more contingent upon what you know God's word says. So if God's word says forgive, you say, well, Father, I forgive them. 
That's what Jesus did on the cross. It didn't say he felt like it. It didn't say anything about his feelings. But his confession was in obedience to the Father, I forgive. And that's the way it's got to be with us. We've got to immediately release people. You can't hold people in a jail cell and then have God banging on the door to make you give them up. This has to be something that's freely done because of his great riches. we got some catching up to do, in other words. We've got a great reservoir in God that we have access to. But we don't tap into most of it because we don't release it to other people. So you've got to make room in your heart and make room in your soul for this richness to come in. And it happens as you release people. It does not happen any other way. So we want to forgive sparingly like Peter did. And he asked God how often. So we are limited in our desire to forgive. Because we have iniquity in us. We have selfishness. We always think about, well, no, wait wait a minute. Now, you don't know the whole story. <laughs> yes, I do. I heard the devil's lies so many times. It's pathetic. So, yeah, I mean, seriously. So, God is rich in grace. So, we are forgiven according to the riches of his grace. And he expects us to do likewise. He forgives us every time we confess. Not every time we do bad, but every time we confess. See, false grace people will make you think it's a blanket one-time forgiveness and you don't have to say anything else about your sin anymore. God automatically forgives you. That's the same road that people like Carlton Pearson are on. They say everybody's saved already and nobody's going to hell. See, if you sit and let your carnal mind get engaged in spiritual revelation, it'll mess your head up. The only thing you need to know about forgiveness is you got to do it. You be consistent forgiving others because God has graciously forgiven you. So he forgives us every time we confess. Not every time we do and assume that you're forgiven. But every time you confess. See there's something about confessing that humbles us. It puts us in a different zone as far as our ability to receive is concerned. It's like the person that doesn't want to tell you. You ever have somebody ask for prayer and don't want to tell you what they want from God? God knows. Or the unspoken prayer. Well, if you can't speak it, you can't have it. The Bible says you can have what you say. Not what's unspoken, but what you say. You know what you want from God. But see, your pride will try and keep you from asking. Something about asking that humbles us. That's why God says ask. And Jesus said in another place, your father knows what you have need of. Well, why do we have to ask? It humbles us. If you don't ask God, where are you going to get it from? There's a lot of sources out here for remedies to your problems. You got me? And so once they're requested to God, God takes that request and then he ministers over it. You just put it out there as a need or as a thought that you need something and the devil starts to feed your mind with ways that you can get it outside of confessing it to God. And so you need it. Why don't you want to talk to your father about the things you need? Is there something wrong there? You don't trust him? <laughs> you want to put him to some kind of crazy test. Uh, there's a woman that came up. She claims to be a minister. 
God knows what I need. And uh, I didn't say anything. At first I was going to, you know, blast her right there at the altar, okay? <laughs> it's one of them snares, you know. Whatever. I ain't so good at all that stuff yet. Perfectly. But you know, you're expecting one thing out of people's mouth. Something else jumps up and you think, this is a woman of God. She don't know how to, I mean, she's not humble enough to request. And so I I started, I just let it go and I started praying and God spoke to me what it was. I said, oh yeah, God just told me what it is. And so I told her and we prayed about it. And she jumped around the, you know, that kind of nonsense. Jumped around the altar and all that kind of stuff. But see, you want to play cagey with people like you don't want to say what it is. Like you don't want to confess it like you're ashamed or you don't want them to know or they got to work hard to get your, your, you know, to pray for you. Like I got to dig around and make it a big deal now. I got to figure out what you want and pray for it. You know, that's what kind of ticked me off. But the love of God constrained me to stay in the flow here. But he told me and that showed her, you know, next time spit it out. You know, nothing's hidden from God, you know. She don't want me to know either like I'm dipping in her business. I want to say, sister, you don't have no business I'm interested in. I'm interested in my business, you know. <laughs> I'm helping you, but I'm interested in mine. So anyway, but God is rich in grace. He graced me to be able to hang on to my composure in the spirit humble myself and pray for that sister so but god is rich in grace sometimes we're at the limit of ours but then he comes up with more for us blow you it'll blow your head off <laughs> i remember praying for somebody somebody asked me to pray for us so i don't know what it was but i was on the phone praying with somebody to you know whatever they needed and um I'm not sure what it was. They had said something or done something that I thought wasn't wasn't cool, and and then asked me if God had a word. No, they they kind of was wrestling with me over something, and then at the end said, "Well, I'll take a word if God has one for me." And I thought it was just you know disrespectful, and so I I said, "Well, I said I don't think He does," and we ended the conversation. And God told me, "You call Him back." <laughs> you liking that too much, Mr. Gary. Now you've been asleep all this time. Same old Mr. Gary. He's been putting daggers in me for years. Mr. Gary. But anyway, but I love you, Mr. Gary. Alright, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want somebody else in that condemnation pokey with you, huh? <laughs> well, I'm not condemned. I got corrected called him back and I said I am sorry but God does have a word for you and here it is so you know you're servants you don't you know get to judge whether people are grateful not grateful whether you minister to them you know you just do God's will so grace is mercy God is rich in it so one of the other words for grace is mercy which means it never runs out and it's the same quality all the time. He's willing to give it freely to us at all times. He's rich in it. So just 
remember God is rich in the things that we need grace wise grace takes care of everything so you can think he's rich in finances or rich in forgiveness or rich in but he's rich in grace which covers every need that humanity could ever have so it never runs out and it's the same all the time when he's rich in it it never runs out and it's the same all the time his mercy endures forever so it lives as long as he lives as long as God's alive we can be forgiven we can get rescued we can be delivered we can be bailed out everything as long as God is alive we can have the things that we desire so his mercy endures which means it endures our bad stuff and endures our mistakes and endures our missteps it endures all of the things that that are limited where we're limited God's great mercy helps him to endure and and stay faithful to us even in the face of our rebellion our quitting our fainting our throwing tantrums our ill temper all of those things so mercy means the person has the right and power to levy punishment but withholds it God still has the right to levy punishment but he withholds it in God's case he withholds punishment forever because of the blood as long as we we uphold the standards of that blood we plead that blood we're not trying to say we didn't do something don't ever try to acquit yourself amen you're trying to be your own lawyer the the people say the man who is is his own lawyer has a fool for a client you can't defend yourself sin is indefensible folks there's you know a lot of times we'll say stuff well well they did something to me that's why i'm mad (laughs) excuse me you're going to stay in that low level of living when you have the riches of god's grace available in your life you're going to stay living like that come on now so god never changes his mind about dispensing great mercy to us man he never wants to levy punishment because that would be double jeopardy he already punished his son and he did and he was satisfied with what jesus endured on behalf of all of mankind so god's not like an abuser he punishes and when that debt is paid then there's no more punishment what happens we punish ourselves because if you go over into devil's territory and you start obeying the devil in rebellion against God and you don't repent there's not a whole lot God can do for you sometimes but his mercy is still there you still living the Holy Spirit is still trying to convict you to turn it around but you won't live in the blessing level of God you, you don't have access to that because of that disobedience so he never changes his mind we have his spirit of grace within us and we must use this grace to endure life in this world without being of the world so his grace keeps you on your side of obedience to him and keeps the devil over on his side i remember uh um 
ministering many years ago in, in uh, studying with some people who understood deliverance quite a bit. And uh, of course, you know, sometimes you think they go overboard, but you gotta have enough sense in God to go in and get what you need. And come on out. You know what I'm saying? Without the excess and the overboard type stuff. But but they were learning. And so God corrects you as you're learning, so forth and so on. But they were saying that, um, no, I was telling them, I said, well, I said, I'm pretty much healed from this depression that I had. And and so uh, I would tell them the pattern of behavior that I would experience sometimes. And and I would say, I said, well, you know, like it was at night. Uh, it was like I wasn't bothered at all. I said, but in the morning, he said, oh yeah, devils have to retreat. They say the mercy of God. He said, they can't just torment you 24-7. You got me? And he said, they must retreat and not abuse your soul. You got me? Now you will be afflicted by them. If you don't forgive, God hands you over to tormentors. So you... You give your own self more problems with your unforgiveness than if you would just forgive people. And I didn't know that, but I grew to know that. And once I start putting it into practice, uh, most of my problems stop, folks. I'm a witness to that. And I tell people all the time, I can smell it on people. When they are holding grudges against them, you can see it a mile away because I live like that for years. And you have discernment of spirits. You know which ones are your friends and which ones are not. But you know, you, you just understand this about people. When they're shut down, closed in, no life, no joy, they're not spontaneous. You know, you got to tell them, well, that's a joke. You can laugh, okay? You know what I'm saying? They're just not, they're too much piled in on their soul. And so I, I when I was speaking to them and they were explaining, the mercy of God and how the mercy of God works and I was saying I said they said well when you when the devils would retreat they said what did you do I said well I mostly read my Bible because I can enjoy reading it then and they said well that's what delivered you they said when those times when you know even if the enemy oppresses you if you use the time to to plow into God and seek God and reach out to God you win the war that way. So you're, you're taking that rest in your soul. And see what a lot of people do. When they, when they are not as tormented. They go and do something stupid worldly. Like go watch a movie. Or go skating or something. You, you understand what I'm saying. But I had enough of understanding of the help I could get in the word. And that was what I needed. I, I can always go skate. I can always watch a movie later. But right now I need this. Is, is the way I live. And so you have to understand. See, that's why when people get to telling me their tale of woe and how bad it is, I just look at them, shake my head. I say, you don't know what trouble is. You understand what I'm saying? Because I know they don't. What we're talking about mostly is light afflictions. Even what I had was a light affliction. Got me? Because the Bible says it's that way. But see, if you want drama, the devil will build it up so much in your head is to make you think that you can't do any better or the devil's been beating me up so much I'm entitled to go and watch a stupid movie instead of getting in the word you got me you see what I'm saying and so I had enough presence of mind in God to sense 
that that was my relief so that I could build myself up so it wasn't as bad because I knew they would come and attack again the next morning. It was a pattern that they had. And so as I got stronger in my spirit, I was able to resist even that pattern of them jumping on you the first thing in the morning. And you think you got to listen to that nonsense. So God will deliver you and set you free because he's rich in mercy. He doesn't want you tormented. He doesn't want you. You know, if you want to leave that way and you think that's normal, then, you know, I mean, that's on you. But I'm telling you, there's a a peace of mind, a strength of mind, and there's a sound mind that God wants us to have. He wants us to have a sound mind. He doesn't want you to be a pushover for every thought the devil brings and you just entertain it. And then when somebody tries to give you the word, you're mad at them because they're telling you something contrary to what's up there in your brain. Or you spend your life trying to explain to people why you can't do what the, what the word says to do. You know, you're to cast down imaginations. Part of my problem as an unbeliever was I didn't know that they were demonic imaginations. I definitely know it now. And so as I was able to receive the grace of God forgiveness of my sins even the sin of tormenting myself and believing what the devil told me you got me when you're able to fight that off you begin to get a strength and a soundness in your mind that helps you to discern when even the subtle moves of the enemy which is really what you need. If you're going to minister to people and you're going to help people, you've got to be an overcomer. You can't be somebody who succumbs to their nonsense. You know, I don't care how much they try to convince you they can't do any better. I know you can. The Word of God says you can. And God's no respecter of persons. Why? Because He's rich in grace to help you. If you've exhausted all the understanding you have of how to fight the devil, God will give you more. But you've got to be utilizing what he's given you thus far. You can't be just saying, well, I did that already, and you stop. You've got to continue to do it. What do you think this is, some kind of game or something? <laughs> Man, if somebody, it's like somebody gives you a gun and you've got burglars at the door, and you shoot them once and they don't stop. You don't quit shooting. You got more bullets in your gun. You know, I mean, it's. Why are we so lazy about continuing the fight? It's for our benefit. Nobody else has given you power against the devil. All the years that you lived, as many years as you lived, and nobody ever gave you authority and power over the devil and to use the word of God to stop him. So we've got to use these things. Hebrews 8.12, God says he'll forgive your iniquities and your sins he remembers no more. So he's not remembering that stuff you confess today. He doesn't remember it anymore. When God, the word remember here, means to take account of and factor it in to the way you're being treated. So if he doesn't remember your sins anymore, 
he has no recollection and they're not factored in. Like we'll say stuff like, well, God, the last time this happened, you know, here I am again. He doesn't remember what you're talking about. There's no clue. He just wants you to confess and repent and ask forgiveness and let's keep moving here. There's much stuff for us to do, but you can't do anything with the weight and burden of your sin on you all the time. You'll lose interest. You don't want to do anything. You want to go and, and you know play hopscotch or do something stupid with your time. You don't want to have anything to do with God when the weight of sin is on you. So he says he remembers them no more. So we have the grace to forget every evil that's done to us as well. No reason you should be thinking about how, you know, being some victim in your mind, you know, and people did this to me and did that to me and did that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to chalk it up as a light affliction. If you don't, you're not doing what the Word says. You really have to do that. Yeah, I remember thinking that, you know, my husband and I had marriage problems and I thought he was the biggest monster in the world. And I regularly told God that, you know. And uh, and he was in my thought, thoughts. You understand what I'm saying? You, you just don't expect ill treatment from somebody who says they love you. So it's hard to swallow. But I knew somewhere in me I had to get it small. If I kept it big, it was going to consume me. So I had to get it small. And I remember reading in the word these light afflictions. And I said, God, is that what that really is that is that is that my situation? He said, That's every situation. And I would think about some of the things people had been through that seemed really grave. You know, people had lost a child. Or, or suffered illness and, and was sick for a debilitating illness that was taking them down and all this kind of stuff. They're all light afflictions. See, They're momentary suffering. And he said they're not worthy to be compared to the glory or the grace that's being revealed in us. See there's purpose to affliction. There's purpose to doing without things. There's purpose to not having everything at your disposal. There's purpose to it. Why? Because it reveals a greater weight of glory that's resonant within us. It's like digging for gold. You know, panning for gold. You've got to dig in there and mine for it and get the debris off of it before it'll shine. And that's what's happening with us. These light afflictions keep you from enjoying life in the flesh keep you close to God huh Paul said he was taken up to heaven many times and it received revelation and he said from that was given a messenger of Satan to buffet me every town Paul went to you know what that messenger was it was some devil stirring up every town he went to he got dragged out and thrown in prison and beaten up and all of these things And he asked God to remove it. He said three times he asked him. He said my grace. The riches of my grace. In other words you won't get rich in me. Looking at how bad things are. 
He said my grace is sufficient for you. It's sufficient. In other words you're going to get beat up by some folks. But his grace is sufficient for you. The more you yield to the glory of God, the bigger the the hammer is that comes against you. will try to afflict you, but his grace is sufficient for you. Hmm? Here's some things that I wish would just disappear as being threats against me, but they don't. So his grace is sufficient for me. Huh? What would you do if you didn't have a devil pursuing you every time you looked up? Huh? <laughs> go on vacation somewhere. Don't call me pastor nobody. I told <laughs> Pastor Shirley all her kids, they had a relative out in Las Vegas. They were going to say, you, you Ma, you and you and Baba need to come. I say, Baba, Baba, go to Vegas. She ain't pastor nobody. I said, put me in the high roller suite and don't ask me to pray for nothing. I ain't Pastor Barb no more. I ain't Auntie. I ain't Baba. I'm Barb. Barb from Cleveland. <laughs> so don't take me out there, okay? I will not be the same person. This devil's waiting in these them hotels now trying to get me to spend some more money. So I'm not a going. <laughs> you got trouble on your hands if I go. But his grace is that we just really, really need it. If we could understand how to tap into it. And I think you tap into it by seeking closeness with God. You know, regularly. Not when you need something. Or when you don't, you know, can't think anything else to do with your time, your spare time, give God top time, give Him first time, give Him one hundred percent of your attention. He'll take care of you, because I, I, I am a witness for the things that God has required of me, and it's not a strenuous life, you know, it's really not. I, people say things like, well, uh, you know, don't you need a rest from, they think, going to Detroit twice a month or something like that. I said, we're on the road all the time. Are you kidding me? I don't know what it's like to just sit in a building from week to week to week to week in one city. This is what we're called to do. Now, why would I want to rest from what I'm called to do? That would make sense to me. But people on the outside looking in, it looks stupid to them or it looks strenuous or it looks like you could just quit doing that and do it a different way, you know, kind of thing. But that's not up to me to decide. Servant isn't above his master. Jesus walked every. At least I get to, to ride. He walked everywhere he went. You understand what I'm saying? And, and so we have to understand that the, to tap into the depth of the grace of God. See, there's grace to do what I do. If I know how to find it. Now if I'm always looking for a break or looking for a rest. And it's so hard and it's so hard. If I lived that life I would never find his grace. That is sufficient for me in all things. So so it's that way folks. It, it, if we would tap into that. Learn how to yield to that. There's plenty there to take care of us for everything that we need. I don't care what it is that we need from God. There's, it, he's rich in it. And the Holy Spirit is your witness to that. 
He is the one that continually assures you of the riches of grace that's available to do. Grace is unmerited. You can't earn it. You can't get more of it by by doing anything that you can do. But you've just got to believe it's there and live in a place where God can make it available to you. Live close to God. He'll make it available to you. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for allowing us the understanding of how rich your grace is toward us. It's sufficient for us in all things. Even in affliction, tribulation, trouble, turmoil, whatever might go on in this world, Father, your grace is more than sufficient for us. So we thank you, Lord, for your matchless grace, your wisdom that goes with it, your knowledge, your understanding, all the great spiritual things, endowments that you have for us. They're great, 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 and great. We thank you for those things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you.